0: Hey guys, and welcome to the How to Land a Dietetic Internship podcast episode with my good friend Kelly. We are both dietetic interns. We have gone through the process of diecasts, of trying to get your dietetic internship, and it is, I know it's crazy, it's hard, it's stressful, so we are here to help you. So, I am currently at the Texas Women's University Master's Dietetic Internship Combination Program in Houston, Texas. I freaking love it, it's busy, it's crazy, so that's what I am in right now. And I have my guest, Kelly, who's gonna tell you a little bit about her, herself, and which internship she's in.
1: Okay. Hi, guys. My name's Kelly. Um, I graduated from Penn State this past May with my bachelor's in nutrition, and now I'm at Ohio State in their human nutrition Dietetic internship. Um, it's, it's really wonderful. It has a counseling focus, and I just finished my second rotation, and I'm about to start food service.
0: Ah, so mine is a clinical focus, medical nutrition therapy, and I just finished clinical, which was a fantastic experience, and now I'm going to food service as well. What was your first one? Okay. Ah. so
1: I did my first one in Ohio State Athletics, and then my second rotation was an outpatient setting at a low-income clinic through Ohio Public Health.
0: That's awesome. Such a great experience, I bet.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's dive into first how to land a dietetic internship and our biggest key tips for landing it. So, Kelly, do you want to start off?
1: Yeah, so honestly, in my opinion, if you are in your senior year right now, you should have been looking at internships over the summer Mm -hmm. um I think I think that definitely looking early and figuring out what each internship requires can be beneficial um but overall my best points like main points would be focus on those grades but also focus on gaining experience in a ton of different settings while you're in undergrad
0: I so agree with that Hands down experience. They love seeing hours of experience, whether that be volunteer work, whether that be a practicum you did in undergrad, that stands out to internship directors.
1: Yeah, and many times they just want to see you ab- that you're able to balance things. So if you have good grades or like pretty good grades and you work a job throughout undergrad, even if it wasn't related to nutrition, that will count for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think my biggest tip would be to make sure that your personal statement stands out. So make sure that it. Tells who you are, why you want to be a registered dietitian, and what's going to make you a good dietitian. You really have to sell yourself. So my, what I tell my friends who are, you know, in this process right now is make it a story. Like start your um, personal statement with something that's going to like grab their attention. Just like you would in any other essay. You don't want to bore them, but you want to sell yourself. So sell yourself, make it kind of entertaining, and make them pick you it's got to stand out
1: yeah exactly because the personal statement can be really the only thing that you know sets you aside from other interns many mm-hmm. people in this field have good grades most of us are very type a perfectionist very true um, so to have the to have the personal statement it needs to be entertaining and it needs to show that you are a good fit for their program um, but at the same time, don't talk about being a perfectionist or a type A because I know a lot of people would go to that as a weakness mm-hmm. in their personal statement. And that's just – we're all like that, so stay away from that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would agree. And I wouldn't be like, oh, I I love school. I, I love dietetics. That's why I want to be a dietitian because, honestly, they don't care. Mm-hmm. They know you have – You want to be a registered dietitian. You're going to get your dietetic internship, so obviously you have a passion for this. So don't tell them that you have a passion for this. Tell them why and then how you're going to be a good dietitian.
1: Yes, exactly. I would say those are the two biggest flaws with personal statements is coming out and saying, I am so passionate about nutrition. And saying, well, my biggest weakness is that I'm type A, so I spend so much time making everything perfect. Stay away from both of those things in
0: your personal statement. So agreed. And Uh I I also think one of the biggest things that you can do, and it's really hard telling um, seniors this right now because you should have done it earlier, is leadership. Have a Mm -hmm. leadership role. So whether it be you're in your student government associations or you form a club, which is what I personally did. I formed a club my senior year. Bella, sorry, my cat jumped on my keyboard. Um, Do something that shows your leadership skills because that is huge. I know my internship director loves seeing leadership roles. So if you can do that and you, say you haven't even done that at all in your undergrad experience, make it happen. Whether it's you starting an event for the community or you just proving that you have a leadership role somehow, make sure you do that.
1: Yes, I totally agree. And that's kind of what I mean in saying they don't really care if all your experience is nutrition related. Mm -hmm. They just care that you can balance multiple things because you're going to get into this internship and you're going to be working, you know, probably 40 hours a week unpaid. And then you're going to have assignments outside of it and you're going to be living your life and you might even need a part time job or something like that. They want to make sure that you are prepared to balance multiple things. You have good time management skills, and you can excel in their program and also be able to manage the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say in your personal statement, if you are strong with time management, tell them, because time management is huge. So I have my internship, so I work four days a week for eight hours, and then I have classes on Monday And then I have master's classes on top of that. So time management is essential and it is critical. If I did not have that time management skill, I could not get through this internship whatsoever. So I really think it's critical that if you have that skill, tell them. And if you don't have that skill, don't tell them you don't have that skill. (laughs) Don't put it as one of your weaknesses. Definitely not.
1: Yeah, and likely when they were looking at you as an applicant, they probably knew that you seemed like you had good time and in- time management skills, so they chose you for that internship. Whereas my internship's a little bit more laid back, um, though I do have excellent time management skills, like I'm such a planner. Um, I don't think I really need them for my internship specifically because it's just a little bit less demanding, um, and so different programs are different. And they'll know if you're a good fit. So don't falsify anything in your personal statement because it really, the matching process is really about making sure that you're a good fit for that program.
0: Mm -hmm. And I just want to state also that like Kelly's is not a master's degree program, but honestly, I truly feel that that's kind of a really good route to go because with my program, I feel rushed. And learning, I feel rushed in my classes and I feel like it's like pulling me apart. So if you're somebody who easily gets overwhelmed or if you're somebody who really wants to take their time on learning the master's material, I definitely suggest going just the DI route because that's an excellent route. Like Kelly can fully give her time into her internship as well as soak up all Mm -hmm. the information and not feel overwhelmed. So low-key jealous about that. Yeah, Not that and, my program is bad, but I just do wish yeah, that I had more time to be able to soak in all the information.
1: Yeah, and I had seen that was one of the questions was, do you recommend the combined versus just the DI? And although we're getting to a point where a master's degree is going to be required in, I believe, 2020, mm-hmm. um, I think if, even if you're intending on getting a master's degree... I think that a combined program is not only usually more rigorous, but it can limit you um, to what you want to do. So I know for me, all all the experience that I had coming into the internship was in athletics. So I thought I really loved athletics, and I do, but I didn't have experience in any other field of nutrition. So I kind of told my preceptors, put me wherever I want a lot of different experiences And I could find something else that I love during this internship and then decide I want to get a supporting master's degree in that field. So, for example, if you apply to a combined program, usually it's a master's of nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, But say if I'm interested in athletics and I want to go back and get my master's in exercise physiology or sports psychology, I'm able to do that. And not to mention, I can put my full time and effort into both things.
0: Exactly. And I love that. And I think that's definitely important for people to remember when choosing where to go. Okay. So let's dive into the questions. So, first question Megan Elise says, I begin applying for internships next year. How does the matching process work? Do you usually get your top picks? And when should you start applying? Okay. So, With the internship process, what happens is it is a computer matching system. So essentially you pick your top, I would say make sure you pick your top six programs. And what happens is they get a list of every single person that has applied. They look at all of the applicants and then they choose their top picks. So let's say it's your first choice, for your match you put them as number one say they pick you as number one you would obviously get matched because they picked you you pick them say that number one did not choose you you still had them as number one then you would be knocked off their list if they did not choose you at all and move to number two if number two picked you then you would get number two say that you're in like the low end of the list as well um I'm making this confusing say you're on the low list of number two but you're still on their list if you are like number one in your number three then that's going to match you there um so mm-hmm. whoever picks you highest on their ranking based on your ranking is how it's going to match up so yeah
1: so basically you drive the. up
0: uh-huh, exactly.
1: Um, so if, if a program has 10 open spots and you rank them number one, and even if they rank you number 10, you'll be matched. Say if they rank you number 11, but one of their top 10 doesn't rank them first and gets matched somewhere else, then you'll get bumped up into their 10 spots and you'll be matched. So I was told to put my dream school first. Exactly. And so that's what I did. And that's because you drive the match. If you don't put your dream school up there, then you have a very low chance of being matched into it by, by opportunity. Um, some people will try and mess with the system and rank their favorite, like, number three. And it just doesn't work that way. So don't do that.
0: <laughs> no, and the biggest thing for me, my suggestions when choosing schools is put your favorite first. Put the one you want to get into first and then look at the ratios. So your director should give you a huge spreadsheet of all the different programs and tell you how many applied in one year and how many got in. I What I did is I ratioed it. So say seven people only got in out of 85 people. And then there was another program that 16 got in out of 30 that applied. You would have so much better chance of getting that 16 out of 30 program than that 7 out of 85. And what I did is I made sure I looked at everything. So what they wanted, how I could fit into their program. And if I could not fit in and the ratio was like really low, like I had like a 5% chance of getting in, I didn't even apply. Or if I did not meet the requirements, say that their requirement was a GPA of a... 3.8 3.8 and I had a 3.55 which is what I had I did not apply because I did not meet their requirement if it's a suggested GPA you can apply but if you do not meet their requirement say you do not meet their GRE requirement seriously I I don't think you should apply what do you think Kelly yeah
1: I would agree with that um in- Something that they might not, no one might not have told you yet is that each application um, costs money usually. Mm -hmm. So DICAS costs money and then also usually there's a fee attached to each school you're applying to. So especially if there's a fee, don't even bother applying. And you're going to have to write an individualized personal statement to each school you apply to. So again, that that can just be frustrating extra work. If you're Mm -hmm. not meeting those minimum requirements, I don't think it's worth it.
0: Yeah, no, I so agree. So she also had said, when should you start applying? So what happens is... They open up in December and that's the diecast website and you can start going in entering all your information. That's where you're going to put in your GPA, your Mm -hmm. personal statements, all your classes and it honestly is not that bad. Like I felt it wasn't bad at all. Like personal statements, finishing those, getting those in and getting your references to actually be your references is what caused the issue. But you will submit that I think on February 15th, right?
1: That's when we did it. That was
0: our date. Yeah. So you submit that, and once you're submitted, you're submitted. You can go in and change everything Uh for up to, I think, like three or four days, and then after that, you can't touch it, and you figure out in May. And it's just a waiting process.
1: Yeah. So the one reason I would say to start looking at them really early is because some programs – do not use diecast, or some Correct. of them do use diecast, but they also require you to apply to their grad school. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I had been looking at Florida State's program, and it was a combined master's degree for sports. And I didn't start really looking at it until um, October. And they Florida State's already done grad school. Yeah, they had a deadline for their grad school that was like December. Um, of that year and I you know I didn't know anything about how to write a personal statement at that time I felt rushed you know I was doing classes as well so I didn't even end up applying there just because I looked so late and then Mm -hmm. I was going to rush into the GRE just for this one program Um, so I didn't end up doing that but if there's a school or a program that you're really passionate about or You know, you should look early and be aware that those deadlines might be much earlier than February.
0: Yeah. I know Georgia State, they wanted, it was like by December 7th, they wanted everything in. And um, I think it was not Florida State, but University of North Florida, I think it was like an October um, requirement. So you really have to make sure you get things in early. And I know for Texas Women's, um, they wanted you to get into your grad school program. And if you were out of state and you wanted money, you had to make sure that you had all of your stuff in before their scholarship deadline. So that is another thing. If you are moving out of state, make sure you get all your grad school applications in, you enter in your scholarship applications in before the deadlines, Mm -hmm. or else you could lose a lot of money.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is one thing I, I didn't even think about. But yeah, a lot of them have very early deadlines for scholarships and financial aid.
0: Unfortunately. Okay. So Cece asked, what are some key points to make a wonderful personal statement? And I think we definitely covered that earlier. Um, stand out. Make it yeah. a story. And um, make sure you have somebody read over it like a bunch of times. Send it to multiple people.
1: Yeah. 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 Also, I would say address all of your relevant experience. Oh, so yeah. Even if you have a class where you where you did a little bit of food service or you were a waitress for a couple of years, talk about that um, and double check that you met their specific requirements. Um, it's easy to grab one big personal statement and then kind of alter that for each program. But you might miss something and you need to make sure that it's, that you're hitting all those requirements because if you miss even one, they will just not even consider you. Even if you have perfect grades and everything else, they'll throw you out of the pile for not following directions. Oh, yeah. But I do agree with having a lot of people read it over. Um, Personally, I had my DPD director read it over and multiple professors, as well as friends and family, um, reading it for grammar and reading it for just, being a good statement so I definitely got mine edited by professors multiple times
0: yeah don't be afraid to ask them to they love it I know my director Mm -hmm. she freaking loved when students would come in and have them read their personal statements and another thing if you want to get into your program that say that you there is a DPD program and they also have a master's program, and that's what you want to do, be best friends with your director. That is huge. And Mm -hmm. if you, like, you need to make sure if you want to get into their master's program, you do things in undergrad with them, especially if it's, like, research-related for the nutrition faculty, make sure you help them with their research because – Most of the time, most master's programs require a thesis. So if you have experience already in research, they're like, oh, hey, she can do this or he can do this. They know what they're doing. I trust them. Why don't we bring them on board into our program? If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, um, a, a lot of programs like research experience and a lot of programs also like clinical experience regardless For sure. of whether or not they're a master's program um they want to know that you're not afraid to go into a hospital so even if you are like me and you are like I'm never working in a hospital as my future career I'm doing athletics or community or whatever go get some hospital experience because that, you know, could be the difference between them choosing you or someone else because they're not sure if you're going to be afraid to go into a hospital.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, Kelly, what was your prior experience?
1: My prior experience, um, it was a 300-hour field experience with Penn State Athletics, and then I did an independent study over a semester with Penn State Athletics and I also was a teaching assistant for the sports nutrition class. Plus, I had waitress for um, three years. But other than that, it, my experience was pretty limited. Though I did have a part-time job my entire senior year, and I had held leader leadership positions in both my sorority and um, a club.
0: So. Nice. You had a you had a lot, I would say.
1: Yeah. Well, we were kind of at Penn State pushed our freshman year to like join clubs, get involved, do this and that. Um, So that was kind of the culture at Penn State was you should be involved. Doesn't matter what you're planning on doing um, or what your career is going to be. Just just get involved. So that's what I did.
0: See that we come from different ends of the spectrum because that was so not me. I was so busy in my mm. undergrad that i didn't I didn't get involved at all so what I did was mm. um, I have worked for a company PE science for f- almost four years now, so I included that as well as my um, I did clinical nutrition practicum so hours at an acute care. Cute long-term care hospital so that was 120 hours um I included Ah. all my university of University of Central Florida cheerleading merit events as well as service learning hours so I think I had a total of like is it listed no I didn't list it but I had a significant amount of volunteer hours and then I also Ah. made sure I included that I was a foster parent for animals and a college Mm -hmm. mentor as well as um all my achievements for like doing online training which is kind of a hit or miss for some people but I included that um all my scholarships Mm -hmm. and then the fact that um I do graphics and website design because I felt like that is something that made me stand out as an applicant um Oh, there it is. 138 hours total of educational expo work. Um, And I also included that I did Mm -hmm. fundraiser myself. Um, I felt like that's what kind of made me stand out. I did cancer research um, fundraiser. So if you did something special, even if it's not related to nutrition, I say put it. Say that you did Relay for Life and you were like – ahead or even if you just were a part of a group for relay for life, put that because that is that is um cancer related, that is healthcare related and it also shows that you have compassion and to me compassion is just something that you can't teach somebody. So put that in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I actually was a captain for Relay for Life my freshman year, and I definitely have that on my application.
0: Yay, Um, okay.
1: And, yeah, and then we have, obviously, at Penn State, we have Penn State Dance Marathon or THON. Um, That is where we raise money for pediatric cancer. So I participated in that both through my sorority and as, like, the chair for one of the clubs I was involved in. So I put that on my application um, but really they, they just want to know that you can balance things and that you're not just going to be someone who goes to work, does, does the school work, does it really well, has a 4.0 and then does nothing outside of that because that just says you can't really manage things, you know? Yeah, exactly. so it doesn't matter if you're getting paid for it or if you're volunteering, they, they want to know everything that you've done. So if you think it's relevant, put it on there
0: yeah exactly and I know Mackenzie Russell asked um, do you think they prefer top-notch grades or experience in nutrition slash food service and whether paid or volunteer or a combination and definitely a combination like we have said include everything you have done Um, and that is one good thing we should talk about is grades so grades do they make you stand out or not Kelly
1: um, I think honestly, good grades can outweigh a, a lower level of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think you still. I think if you did nothing and you just got good grades, they're going to look at your application and be like, "What was this person doing in all of their undergrads? No, I um,
0: so agree.
1: But, yeah. So I would say if you can get the highest grades that you can while doing other things then that's the best thing you can do. But at the same time, your grades will always be, you know, your school and the thing that you're paying for is always going to be a little bit more important than the experience, just in general. Maybe not for this application, but in general.
0: Yeah. Okay, Sydney Brooks said, when changing from career paths, what should you say, I mean, what would you say a good first step would be for me to take? Should I go back to school Um, And can that be done in an outside university? So biggest thing is to find a DPD program and make sure that you have done all the required coursework. So there's a specific Mm -hmm. amount of classes and types of classes you have to take to be entered into a dietetic internship. And it's things like organic chemistry, biochemistry. And then I know some programs actually require like two semesters of organic chemistry. And then of course they, they force you to do anatomy and physiology one and two. So make sure you've taken all your undergraduate coursework. If you have, make sure that you look at the required updated times that you took it because I think it's like you have to had had you have to had taken a class like M&T at least 5 years in the last 5 years. So make sure that you have done everything. I think you're right. Yeah. You have done everything. If you need to retake the classes, you go retake those classes in a any type of program, but as long as you have all the required coursework, then you can enter for your dietetic internship.
1: Yeah, and so one thing I will add to that is, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with these, but there are coordinated undergraduate programs. Mm-hmm. Like, did you know anything about those? There's like two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's actually one here at Ohio State so I've become a little bit familiar with it because I kind of work with those interns sometimes at different sites. Um, But basically, it's for people who usually have an undergraduate degree, and they go back to school, and they apply to this coordinated program, and it gives them the coursework of the DPD while also gaining the internship hours of the dietetic internship. So when they're finished with this one program, they are done and they can sit for the board exam. So if I was in the situation where I had to go back, where I got a degree in undergrad and I wanted to go back to school and become a dietitian, Mm -hmm. I would probably look at coordinated programs first because then you don't have to do another four year degree and then apply and do another year long internship.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So maybe we should dive into a little bit about, we, we've we gone over the types of internships. So there's the regular DI route that Kelly's in. There's the combined masters and DI that I am in. Um, there's the coordinated programs that she just described. And then there are distance programs that require you, like Mm -hmm. ISPP, that require you to reach out to your own preceptors. This is a great option if you want to save some money or if you want to live in a certain location. However, you do have to Mm -hmm. find your preceptors. You do have to realize that a lot of preceptors back out on you. And sadly, I have seen this a lot in um, the All Access Internships Facebook page, which if you guys are not members of this page. It's All Access Internships. She runs a website. Um, I personally have not used any of her programs, but I do suggest being a member of the Facebook page because you can ask people questions. They can go over your resume um, and it's just super helpful to have a group of people that understand what you're going through. Anyways, a lot of people with these supervised practice these distance internships have trouble with finding preceptors so if you want to go this route you really have to make sure you're locked into those um, internship places and they aren't going to back out on you do you know much about those yeah
1: so I I don't know a ton about them but I've heard that it is just very stressful so Mm -hmm. I didn't even look at those when I was applying
0: Yeah, I know there's like, I looked at Aramark and they had so many like different locations that you could do and it was like really Mm -hmm. intriguing, but you had to find your own preceptors. And I was like, wow, that just sounds like a lot of work. Like you have to create your own timeline, where you're gonna be, how long you're gonna be there, the hours you're gonna do. And to me, it was just easier to find a program that had that all laid out for me, that would tell me where to go, when to go, how long to be there and just follow their program. And I feel like that would that's 100 times easier. But hey, if you want to go the distance route, more power to you. Try it out. But just know that yeah. there can be some scary things going on there.
1: Yeah, I'll admit it sounds nice because you get to choose exactly where you want to go mm-hmm. if, you know, those preceptors you. But there are also programs like mine, for example, that will work with you and tailor it to your needs. Obviously, you have to meet all your requirements of inpatient, outpatient, food service, but they'll really find your interests and tailor your sites to them. So, for example, my next rotation is in food service, and most people would think, oh, probably in a hospital, maybe at the university. But my food service is actually through a ketogenic lab um, where we cook all the food. Yeah, we cook all the food for the participants in the lab. So I start that on Monday. I'm very excited.
0: (laughs) I'm low-key jealous because mine's in a hospital. But, I mean, mean, I'm excited for the management experience, though. What?
1: I interrupted you. And the program doctor will find out what you want. Yeah. And they'll, they'll tailor it to you. So some are more strict and they don't do that, whereas there are some that are like, well, what do you want to do? We'll contact all the sites for you. Like I don't have to worry about finding someone for my culminating. I tell my directors this is what I want, and they set it up for me. So I can't even imagine having the stress of setting up my site.
0: Yeah, no, me either. (laughs) I really cannot. Okay, so next question. What helped you stand out on your OSU application? So – This is from Kelsey Krieger, and it was for you, I guess. What do you think helped you stand out in your application? Well, so something that we haven't talked
1: about yet is open houses. Ooh. Did you go to any open houses?
0: I did not go to one open house at all. So I think I'm one of those random people. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so my director, my DPD director, actually pushed open houses so much. She was like, "If you are, you know, within eight hours of these open houses, driving, you need to go." So, I applied to two Ohio State programs. I applied to both the med diet master's program and the um, the human nutrition one. That's just the dietetic internship, which mm-hmm. I'm in now. Um, so I drove to Ohio from Pennsylvania twice <laughs> to go to open houses oh at my different gosh. times. Um, it's a, it's a six-hour drive uh, for me, so I made it happen. Um, I met the directors of both programs, and they remembered me when I applied. So first, go to open houses, meet them, ask questions, make sure they remember your face, and remember that you took the time to go there. And meet them, because that stands out. Uh Um, So that's the first big thing. What else stood out on my application? Well, they had an interview, which was nice. It was a 15-minute phone interview. And personally, I ranked programs higher that interviewed me than I did programs that didn't have interviews, because I was able to have a sense of how the interview went. And I know that my phone interview with Ohio State went really well. So I put them number one.
0: That's good. So I definitely think that going to open houses are huge. Definitely makes you stand out. Make sure that you go there and you look professional. You make them like you. I think that's one thing mm-hmm. I definitely should have done, but my program was like a 16-hour drive, so I did not go yeah. interview there. Um and I think, honestly, if I would have gone to the open house for the program, so I got my, um, I think it was my third choice. I think if I would have gone to my first choice's open house, which was UAB, I would have had a better chance. I did not go. Mm-hmm. But I don't regret doing that because I'm so happy with where I Aram now. But I do suggest, like yeah. Kelly did, go to those open houses, drive there, suck it up, yeah. and do it.
1: Fly there. If you can find a cheap flight, fly there. I flew to Houston um, to go to the University of Houston's open house uh, and it it was like a $200 flight which was not bad and then I stayed with a friend so I didn't have to pay that cost. Um, So if you can make it happen, if you have the money and the capability of getting there, try it somehow because it can really make a difference. And it will also make a difference if they don't do interviews, because they'll be like, oh, this person showed up, they talked to us, they seemed normal, they seemed interested, they asked good questions. So even though we can't interview them, we know that they, they're they like a normal person that we would like to have here.
0: Mm-hmm. You know what's weird is the program I got into, we didn't have an interview, <laughs> and I got in. Uh, there was no interview, That's I didn't go to an open house, and it's a bomb program, but... For the most part, yeah. that's not the way, like, anyways. Um, let's talk about interviews. What kind of questions these guys ask? Because, y'all, it's intimidating. I can't lie. I freaked out. My And I, I just want to yeah. tell you guys, when it comes down to interviews, make sure that you have practiced, that you have gone and you have looked at the types of questions they're going to ask because um, and these are typically like job questions. So if you look and you go on like I did two interviews for the VA so they had questions that they would ask and so I looked through all of them and the first time I actually did not look through any of those questions. So when I got the call it was kind of like they were thrown at me and my interview sucked. So I suggest you do your research You read those questions. You know what your answers are going to be. That way you're prepared. Don't go in blind and just mess up. (laughs) Be prepared. Because my second interview was freaking amazing. Like, I was so happy with it. But my first one, I completely bombed, and I knew I screwed it over right when I did it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so Penn State was actually really helpful in preparing us for interviews. Um, We had an entire class that prepared our Dykus materials i don't know if you had that nope um, that's awesome but one of the things with my interviews yeah I, I honestly can't imagine doing the process alone we had a class the spring before applications were due where we wrote personal statements and submitted them as grades we set all that volunteer and that sports and extracurricular activities um we wrote those we did our gba calculations like those were all grades um and interviews were one of them so then our DPD director, director, she collects interview questions that students submit to her. <laughs> so then she sent that out to us when interviews were coming along. And I went through every single one of these questions, and I prepared an answer to each of them. That way, when they if they popped up in an interview, I was like, okay, this isn't an, a question I have not thought of.
0: Mm-hmm. But there are
1: times that's going to happen, so you have to... Be in a good mental state where you can think on your toes. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely going through um, example questions can help and practicing with a person or practicing in a simulation center. We had one on campus.
0: Nice. That can help too. Okay. Definitely follow and do what Kelly did and practice. And don't be like Lacey and don't. Okay. Biggest, biggest suggestion there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll admit I was I, not I was a, like perfect a perfect applicant in every way. Of...
1: Yeah,
0: I had my I screw was so up moment. Over
1: the
0: whole thing. Oh, it's so stressful. <laughs> I'm just so all. glad that's not me right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Let's look at how to stand out in a sports nutrition emphasis. Well, you're in a sports nutrition emphasis, and I definitely would say having sports nutrition. Experience would make you stand out for sure. So,
1: I'm actually not in the sports nutrition emphasis. So that was the oh. other program. That was, um, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't go with that program. But okay. I, I work with those students because they know I have such an interest in sports nutrition. So I, I've worked with the two girls who are in the sports nutrition internship at Ohio State. Um, the difference between our two programs is that they get pretty much all of their experience in sports nutrition through athletics and they have the masters. Whereas I can kind of get the same experience, but it's like my community and my counseling. But Mm -hmm. anyways, so definitely athletic um, experience is important. But also I've noticed many times programs like if you were a student athlete, which I was not. Have you, would you say that's, like,
0: right, Lacey? I think that's huge. If you've been a student athlete, which I was, I think it makes you stand out. And it shows that mm-hmm. you have experience and knowledge with being an athlete and potentially working with athletes. So I also yeah. think, like, if you were a student athlete like, and you have, like, a lower GPA or if you have less curricular activities – that kind of balances out because being a student athlete in itself is a full-time job so I definitely and and same thing as if you had a full-time job while going to school I think that also can make you stand out even if you did less things or if you have a lower GPA like things balance out so it's not like if you have a low GPA but you did all these activities and you worked like And by low GPA, I mean, like, a 3.0. Like, if you have a 2.8 or something, just honestly, like, you got to work your GPA up. But if you had, like, a 3.2 and you did a bunch of other stuff and you had a full-time job, like, you were managing pretty well. I don't think having me's is bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you have a 2.8, you need to be doing all you can to get that experience up. Uh But unfortunately, with sports nutrition internships, I think they like if you were an athlete because they know you're pretty passionate about athletics, whereas many sports nutrition right now is so popular and it's growing so much. Uh-huh. Everyone wants to be a sports dietitian it's It's seen as like being elite and you make a little bit more money and you know, sports nutritionists are just looked up like they're gods and goddesses. so <laughs> the the problem with setting yourself apart is everyone wants to be one, but not everyone is really sure of what the job is and what it requires. So they want to know that if you go into the sports nutrition internship, you're definitely going to want to be a sports nutritionist. So if all you have is experience in athletics and nothing else, you should probably just do a regular internship and gain that experience in different areas and see if you really want to do that. Because I will tell you, being a sports dietitian is long hours and you don't get paid as much as you want. (laughs) Like it's not super glamorous. Um, And I know that that's one thing the director of sports nutrition at Ohio state told me when I went to the open house, she was like, if you're not 150% trying to be a sports dietitian or sure that this is what you want to do, do a regular internship.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the internship is one of the most amazing things ever because going coming out of undergrad you go in thinking oh my god this is what I want to do I want to do this but when you get into Mm -hmm. your internship and you get all these experiences and you see your options it is life-changing and when you actually like have worked the hours of what it would be like say for me hospital work in a um, busy hospital working eight hours. Like I had originally walked in thinking, oh my God, this is what I want to do. So it really changes your mind and opens up your mind to potentially what else could you do. So I went in thinking I wanted to do just clinical. And I've changed my mind to I want to do outpatient because in the clinical setting, at least for me, a lot of these patients are encephalopathic or, you know, they can't talk because they're on vents. And I really personally have learned that I love, my favorite part is the educational counseling. I love the diabetes education. Mm -hmm. I love the overall education. So now I've changed my mind from going to clinical to doing outpatient. So these are really, really great experiences, and I seriously think that doing an internship is one of the most amazing things you can do, as well as making sure you do an internship that's going to give you a variety of experiences.
1: Yeah, so I was pretty sure I was going to be a sports dietitian, and I mean, there's a possibility that that is still the career path I want to take, but going and doing that at a different university and seeing how different it can be in every single location Uh that you would do that it really opened my eyes to well you know these hours are hard and this pay is just not as good as i would have hoped and like this is just tough is there something else maybe that i would enjoy just as much so i'm actually very excited to do my this food service rotation see if i like research And also to do clinical in the spring because I, you know, my friends talk about how much they've loved their clinical rotations so far. And it's getting me very excited to go to the Wexner Medical Center and go to Nationwide Children's and just see what that's like.
0: Yeah, I definitely would say I loved clinical, but I definitely wanted to talk to patients more than I did. So... It's definitely a great experience. And you guys, there's also different types of clinical settings. So you have your general med, you have your um, ICU, and then some people get to do, you know, more educational counseling type of things in the hospitals. So there's a variety of different experiences. Just like in community, some people go to food banks. Some people go to um, community school work. Um, You went to, what did you go to again? For which? um for I think you mentioned something about a community setting you went to the low income
1: that was my oh oh that was my outpatient so, okay um but I still love that it, it was a lot of counseling
0: mm-hmm. I love counseling that's I'm hoping that's me soon that's but I never I know because one. I have so many experiences left to do
1: <laughs> so that's a good exactly, thing exactly that's the best part
0: yeah, okay. So I think we hit on a lot of important topics and we answered pretty much everybody's questions. So um, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope we didn't ramble. I know I tend to ramble a bunch. Uh, I want to thank yeah. you, Kelly, for coming on for helping, sharing your knowledge and your thoughts and your information. Um, are there any other thoughts or last sentences you want to tell my listeners?
1: I um. I think we hit on everything, but really just just like get down to it right now. If if your programs haven't talked to you about looking at cast or anything and you're a senior, start looking at those programs. Don't wait till the last minute. Do it now.
0: Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. I definitely think by Thanksgiving you should know who you're applying to and somewhat have an idea to your order. And then when it hits um, December, Christmas, that – order should be finalized that way and I also yeah. suggest between Thanksgiving and Christmas you finish your personal statements if you can what I did is I did one personal statement I had it crisp and perfect ready to go I did that during Christmas break and then January and February I was just able to change things I was able to enter things in Diecast. so be aggressive mm-hmm. get your stuff done Um, And take initiative. Make sure that you have all your recommendations in. You have asked everybody, like, start asking now. Because I asked somebody in the beginning of December and did not get my recommendation till February, like, 6th. So you have to ask early. Yes.
1: And the one thing I will mention about the ranking is you can submit your ranking and then change it by the like in between the time that um, you originally submitted in February versus when you're going to get matched. So there's a time period that you can change it after you've done interviews and things like that. Um, But definitely start now. I had my personal statement done probably um, around Thanksgiving and then I altered it over winter break and then still a little bit in January. Um, get your transcripts as like ready as early as you can after your fall semester ends because they can take a long time and they can be a really big pain. Um, but set yourself up a timeline, like a calendar of all the specific due dates for each program and all the things you need to get done. Um, and if you do that, you, then they'll know that you were prepared and you were a planner and they'll love you anyway. So
0: yeah, so my finalized statements would be, Believe in yourself. Make sure that you apply to programs that you want to actually apply to. You can see yourself living there and you know you're a good fit. Believe in yourself. Make sure you stand out and you sell yourself. But at the same time, don't apply to programs that you already don't meet the requirements for. Yeah.
1: Oh, and the last thing I will say is if you go to open houses, get the contact information of their previous interns and reach out to those interns and ask them questions because you might learn way more from those interns than you will from the directors giving these open houses. And you might say like, wow, this program sounds too hard for me. This program sounds like it's not what I expected. Um, And that can be a really big deal.
0: That is such a good suggestion. So fabulous suggestion there. So if anybody has questions regarding Texas Women's Houston location, feel free to email me at fitandfaith@gmail.com. at Um, Also, if you just need somebody to look over your personal statement, I'm happy to do that. Um, And that's about it.
1: Yeah, and feel free to message me if you have any questions about the Ohio State Human Nutrition Internship. Or even if you have questions about the medical dietetics sports nutrition internship, simply because I applied to that one and I work so closely with those interns right now, I could probably answer a lot of questions about that too. So,
0: well, good. Okay. Well, Thank you guys again for listening. Thank you, Kelly, for coming on my podcast. It has been such a pleasure. And I think a lot of people are going to be able to take this information and hopefully feel more confident, hopefully be able to go into diecast ready and to, you know, land those dietetic internships. So, Yes, thank
1: you for having me.
0: You're so welcome. I really
1: hope that this helps.
0: Yeah, I know. Good luck, guys. Again, if you have questions, feel free to reach out to us and kill it, land those programs, and good luck, okay? I'll see you later, Kelly. See ya.
1: Bye.